Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. This show is produced by the Powell Group, the leading business consulting firm in the game industry. Visit us online at IndieGame.Business to get your free pass to our next digital event coming December 8th, 9th, and 10th, where you'll have more great sessions you can participate in for free and inexpensive passes to our industry-leading digital business-to-business meeting system. Also, make sure to donate to Extra Life. We've got a link down below in the description, or you can even join the Indie Game Business Extra Life team. That link is down in the description as well. Here we go, Indie Game Business. What's up, everybody? My name is Indy, and that gentleman right next to me, right over here, right over there, that's Mr. G. Powell from Powell Group Consulting, and this is your weekly Indie Game Business Podcast. Today, we've got a Bradford Carlton, and what are we going to be talking about? Breaking the gamer stereotype while running a gaming business. And that's Thanks awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks. Welcome to the show. So, <laughs> thank you, know- thank you. We did, I, I recorded an episode with you earlier this week, and we're returning the favor. But at the end of the day, too, what you do is fantastic, and it's awesome, and we want more people to know about it. So let's start where we always do, and, and give us a rundown of how you got into the game industry, and walk us through your career and, and what you up to what you do at this point. Okay, so you want my life story? I, I can do that. Uh, it was a dark and stormy night when I was born. Um, I mean, I'm far back on. <laughs> um, all right, so I start my, my story with I'm a gamer. I, I was a gamer before I even remember being a gamer. I was two years old when I, I first got an NES controller in my hand. My parents would drop me off at a babysitter's house, and like most babysitters, they'd ignore you, right? So they'd hand me the controller, and that's how I, I started as a gamer. And I, I had Super Nintendo, the Sega, Sega Saturn, N64. Like I had it all growing up. And um, the entire time I was growing up, I got fed the story by my parents that I was lazy, that I was worthless, that I was wasting my time, that this was something that I just need to just stop doing because there's no future in gaming. There's nothing that's ever going to, anything good's ever going to come from me playing video games. So I have this playing in my head growing up, right? And I get straight A's. I uh, raise my brother and sister because I babysit them all the time. I I did all the chores in the house. I went and did other work on the side. And to relax, I'd play video games. And yet at nine o'clock at night, I'm sitting there to relax. And I was still being told I was lazy. And so when I was graduating high school, it was essentially the farthest thing from my mind to do anything in gaming because that was what I was raised with. And I think a lot of people get that. And that's kind of where I think that gamer stereotype comes from, right? Because like I lived it and I know what that is. Um, but you know, I get to college and I have all the aspirations of the world to do all these amazing things in college. And somebody goes, hey, have you ever heard of this game called World of Warcraft? I'm like, no, but I played Warcraft 3. What is this? And next thing I know, I'm raid leading, guild leading, and main tanking for a hardcore raiding guild that's raiding seven days a week, eight hours a day. On top of all the other gaming I had to do in order to prepare for those raids, right? So... I like to say that's where I got my first introduction to business because I was doing recruiting, I was doing budget management and strategic development, and I was doing performance reviews, and I had to manage the forums, and I was doing all those things. And I got to the end of college, and I looked at my resume, and it was non-existent because you cannot 
you know, 2008, you could not have put World of Warcraft on a resume. You got laughed out of any interview you were in, right? So I um, had a plan. I was going to go into a pol into politics, which I eventually did, but totally separate story. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go down that route. But I needed to go to law school to do it. So I got into law school. I got a full ride because even though I played World of Warcraft the whole time, I had fantastic grades, and I got to school. And the very first day of law school they bring out the biggest and scariest professor that they have. And he, he looks at all 500 students in attendance and he points at us all and he goes, you're not children anymore. You're not allowed to say, dude, you're not allowed to play video games. And I was a California boy. All I did was say, dude, and play video games. So I decided, okay, I'm gonna drink the Kool-Aid. I'm gonna do what they say, because if I want to go the route in my life that I've, I've set out for myself, I have to do the path, right? So I essentially gave up video games, at least for that first year. And you know, I eventually did get back into it a little bit. I found the one other guy in school who played video games and we would sneak off and play Call of Duty and Gears of War. And then we'd come back and everybody's like, where were you? You skipped class. We're like, um, we were studying. <laughs> uh, so I graduate law school. I, I graduated magna cum laude. I was on law review on the tax journal and I had worked for the United States Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals while in school. So I have this, these credentials, but I again had spent a, a vast amount of time playing video games in law school and hadn't really thought too much about the future other than doing what I needed to in law school. So I didn't go off to a major firm or anything like that. I actually had to scrounge to find a job. And I landed out a county court and as a part-time law clerk position. And they do not teach you in law school how to have a job. They do not teach you how to manage people. They don't teach you anything other than how to read a book and study. So here I am, part-time law clerk. And six months later, I'm now the court um, administrator for this county court. So the entire court system, the probate court system, I'm now running the staff. I'm doing the, the inventory of the, the place. I'm managing a lot of the cases. I was right under the judge. And I have to credit that to my time playing World of Warcraft because you learn to manage people when you're playing that game. So I'm like, cool. And next thing I know, I'm being paraded around. The judge wants me to be on the judge track. And so I'm meeting politicians and senators and Congress people and the governor. Um, getting to take into thousand dollar a plate, you know, political dinners. And I realized really quickly, I have no interest in being a judge. Um, they get to sit there and look pretty, but they're not allowed to have an opinion on anything other than what they write on a case. And like, I just didn't like, I'm an introvert, like naturally, but when I'm in public, I'm a giant extrovert. And so I like, if I'm in front of people, I have to like, be bombastic a little bit. And uh, you can't do that as a judge. So I'm like, okay, that's that's not the political path for me. Let me leave here, go find my path somewhere else. So I joined a law practice focusing on elder law. And because you know, probate is dead people, elder law is the nearly dead people. So let's let's do that. Um, so I joined this practice. It was 28 years old. You know, they've been around forever, longer than I'd been alive. And my first client meeting, because again, they do not teach you how to talk to clients in law school. I have no idea what I'm doing, but it's a little old lady. She comes in and I tap dance. I do something, but she hands me a $5,000 check at the end to do some work for her. I'm like, okay, cool. I have no idea what I did, but let's roll with it. And you know, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was my baby face at the time or my blue eyes, but almost every single little old lady who came in had to give me money. And so seven months later, the partner looks at this and goes, this guy's a rainmaker because I was taking five to $25,000 checks, just telling them that we could help them, not really knowing what was going on because the staff did all the work. 
And I was made partner at age 27 at this 28-year-old law practice. I then wrote the literal book on elder law for the state of Ohio, the 2014-2015 West Publication Edition. And other attorneys were coming to me to teach them on how to do elder law, and they were older than I am. So I was in this position of training attorneys three, 30 years older than I am on a practice that they were closer to, honestly. Uh, but I realized really quick, you know, these guys are all miserable. They all hate their life. If this is like my future, I'm not sure I want this. So I talked to my wife, who was also an attorney, and she goes, you know, Bradford, you have done these incredible things. You have done so much, like you could get money, like a drop of a hat. Let's just start our own law practice and go into business for ourselves. And so we did. And I um, very quickly learned what it meant to start a business because I didn't have a clue. Um, I switched my, my practice focus to business law, mostly because we had to figure it out for ourselves what to do. And I, um, I like to say that we did what every small business does their first year. And we made no money. And <laughs> I uh, come the next year, it was 2015. I think it was 2015. We owed $10,000 in taxes. We had $500 in the bank account. It, it was really bad. And so I ha we had to figure out what to do because either we pay our taxes or Brad goes to jail because he was the one who owed it from being at the law practice before. And I had a friend who was in another town over who was also an attorney and his practice was doing pretty well. And he goes, you know, hey, Brad, I, I heard this position you're in. Have you ever heard of the Facebook? Like, yeah, I've heard of Facebook. I used it the entire time we were in law school, man. Like, what's up? He goes, well, they've got these things called groups. Are you, are you familiar with groups? I'm like, yeah. Well, you just go find a, a local buy, sell, trade group, post a flyer in there, you know, just your the name of your law firm, a picture of your, your wife and your phone number. You'll, your phone will start ringing. Okay, sure. It's either this or jail. Let me, let me give it a shot. So I go ahead and I post this junky flyer. It was the very first thing I'd ever graphic designed. Um, it was really, really bad. But three minutes after we posted it, our phone rang. We hung up the phone. Five minutes later, our phone rang again. Hung up the phone. Three minutes later, our phone rang again. And at this point, I'm like, I think there might be something here. So I found every buy, sell, trade group we could in a eight contiguous county area. And we just started spamming. Our phone didn't stop ringing for nearly a year and a half, two years. Um, we ended up hire, uh, having three attorneys. We had three staff members. We had this huge office. My wife was being paraded around the state by different bar associations to teach attorneys how to do digital marketing. Some real estate investors heard about me. So I was teaching real estate investors how to do digital marketing and finding clients. And everything was going fantastic until about a month before my daughter's due date when she was supposed to be delivered, when she decided to come early. And uh, my wife had had a complicated pregnancy up to that point. And it became really complicated when it was time for the baby to come. Um, my wife nearly died. The baby nearly died. Um, you know, the alarm was going off every minute for six hours. Uh, she was a 24-hour labor. The crash unit was outside the entire time. It was really, really scary. Um, and my wife was nearly bedridden for an entire year thereafter. I had to feed my daughter every two hours on the dot for two months or she was going to die. And um, we, had to, we had to stop working. I had other businesses. I had to stop and close. The law practice, my wife you know, says, I'm not going back to the law. That was too stressful. She was our trial attorney. So without a trial attorney, you don't really have a law practice. Um, so here we are. You know, Medical bills are coming due. No income coming in. Apparently no more law. What are we going to do? So I figure 
Okay, I've been doing business law this whole time. Let me switch over to like business consulting or coaching because that's yeah, it's a stone's throw, right? It's basically the same advice, just I'm not allowed to give legal advice. So we get some small clients in town and we help some things, you know, some action sports and some massage parlors and things like that, but nothing like really ever stood out. And like my, my dreams have always been big. I always wanted to go for something in life and I just didn't see it in that small town in Ohio. So my wife says, okay, let's, let's move. You've been complaining about the snow for nine years, Brad. Let's move somewhere warm. And I decide we're going to go to Las Vegas. So I show up in Las Vegas, don't know anybody. I just go to networking events, doing the things that I know we're supposed to do in order to try to get clients. You know, when you're like rushing, you just got to talk to people. And I meet a guy at a networking event. He goes, you're a consultant. I have a consulting group. You should come meet my guys. And that was the extent of the conversation. I got a call from his secretary. I end up at his, his meeting. And it's these three guys who, you know, gray-haired old dudes who, one of them had been on a, a committee that helped found a, uh, Ameriprise Financial. One of them had been a major consultant in the restaurant world, had um, run the New York City school lunch program, LA, Dallas, Anchorage, Las Vegas school lunch programs, hundreds of millions of dollars of budgets, feeding millions of kids a day. Another guy had founded this international coalition of immigration law attorneys. And so if somebody had like moved around the world between like 1980 and 95, he had had something to do with it. And then there's me. And if you've ever been at the table as clearly the lowest person on the totem pole, like that's what it felt like. Um, and so they, they divvy up their client base uh, for the week and they're talking about their cases and what they need to do. And they're like, hey, Brad, if you want to come back the next week and you know, see how these cases go, we'd love to have you. It's just you know, interesting to like, see how these things progress. I'm like, yes, I'm here to learn. Yes, please. So I come back the next week and it was the strangest thing because none of these guys had done anything for their clients. Like one guy's like, oh, my wife needed me to work in the garden. Another guy's like, oh, it was too hot in town. And uh, Dan, you, you've been in Las Vegas, you know, it was the summer. Uh, so he went up to the mountain for the weekend and they just didn't do anything for the clients. They're like, ah, it doesn't matter. You know, we, we never gave a deadline anyway. So let's just divvy it up again. And you take this, you take that. And you know, Brad, if you want to come back next week to see how this all went, you know, please. Yes, please. So I show up week three. And again, they had not done anything for these clients. And at this point, I'm like, you know what? This is not strange. This is an opportunity. So the, every time they started saying, um, who wants to take this aspect of something? I'm like, I'll do it. Um, who wants to do this? I'll do that. Who wants to take this? I don't know what that term means, but I will figure it out and I'll take that too. I took everything. And three weeks later, they made me president of this consulting firm. And um, I got, I, you know, attorneys are pretentious. Like I'm no longer an attorney. I've given up my licenses. So I'm now allowed to say bad things about attorneys again. They, um, they, they think they know it all. And I, I thought so too. I think you know, I'm a business law attorney. I know my, I knew nothing, Jon Snow. Um, uh, this business consulting firm, I learned about financing. I learned about marketing and business plans. I learned about franchising. I learned about how to handle clients. I learned big and small. And I, I really, it opened my eyes to how, easy it is to, to really grow a business, but also how much money it takes, <laughs> uh, but also how easy it is to find that money if you really need it. Uh, so here I am, I did that for about a year. And one day, like all the partners kind of decided at the same time that they wanted to just retire, but continue to take a cut of what was going on. And that wasn't the deal I had. Um, I really wanted to have a team of people I could collaborate with rather than being a one-man band, you know, bringing clients in, handling the clients, doing it all. And I just, I, I figure I can do that myself on my own and make 
100%. So that's what I did. Um, I got some clients, I got some consultants, I got some businesses, and everything was fantastic. My wife and daughter are fully healthy now. Um, I you know, have a house, I've got the American dream once again. And I woke up one day, 2019, August, and I just wasn't happy. Like I, I looked at my life and I go, you know, I have reached the top numerous times in what I've done. And I end up not happy for some reason. Like, what is wrong with me? Because at this point, I'm the lowest common denominator. So I go to my coach and I'm like, what do I do? He's like, okay, well, how would you describe your clients? Like they're gray haired stuff suits. And he goes, that's probably a problem if you're describing your own clients like that. Um, so let's figure out who you are as a person and maybe connect you with your people. So he goes, okay, if you had to describe your best friend in one word, what would he be? And like, um, other than a pothead, he's a gamer. It's like, okay, all right. So um, if I put you in a room full of 100 people and you had to talk to every single person for an hour or I shoot you in the head, who do those people have to be? And I had to, I had to think about this one. Um, and I, I guess they'd have to be gamers because you know even if I haven't played the same game as somebody, maybe I play the same genre. Maybe I've played a game by the same company. Maybe we had an experience growing up. Maybe we've been to an event. Maybe there's something I can, might be able to get with a gamer, right? And so he goes, well, it sounds like you really should be working with gamers. And again, I have that, that narrative from back when I was young playing in my head that there's no future and that there's nothing there. And so I had completely ignored gaming for more or less. And I'm like, is, is there even an industry there? So I started doing some research and I'm like, oh my God, there's a really big industry here. <laughs> I, I have no idea how to even get into this. <laughs> so I had been watching Twitch for years, you know, while working on something else, you have something up just to kind of drown out the, the noise in your head. And so I just started reaching out to streamers going, hey, here's all my testimonials, here's all my credentials, here's the books I've written, here's all the stuff I've accomplished. I'd love to come work for you for free just to kind of get my foot in the door, you know, build you up, get some results. That way I can like create a, a space for myself here. And they go, oh, that sounds fantastic, Brad. I only got two questions for you. What's, what's that? And every single person had these two questions. How many followers do you have? How many views do you get? I didn't have any. I didn't have any because I never built my own brand, right? I was always building other people's businesses and focusing on them. So instead of pouting about this and going, oh, I don't have a chance now, I'm like, you know what? Let me, let me create something myself. And I had no interest in like playing games and like chat. Hey, chat, how's it going? Like, oh, this is the mechanic. I, I had no interest in doing that. Um, I wanted to talk business because my thing is business. I've done business for six, seven years now. That's what interests me. That's what I like to do. And so... I also looked at the space and I'm like, you know, there's lots of people talking about the industry, you know, talking about the high level stuff, about the teams, about the, the companies. That's not really what I want to do. I want to talk to entrepreneurs because entrepreneurs are really cool, especially when you dig into their story. You know, they, they usually have ups and downs. They've got all the, the fun times and the really bad times. And, you know, there's if you look at successful people, there's a common thread between all of them. So I want what I didn't have growing up which was good role models who are gamers, who are able to have success. Because I think if I had had that, I might have gone, you know what, I can do something with this after all. And so that's what the Gamerpreneur is. I, I started out as a podcast um, just on my phone. I don't have my phone. And I've recorded it on my phone. And I'm like, okay, how do I actually want to approach this? Because I could drop 20 grand in this right now. And I could have all kinds of marketing. I can have fantastic graphics. I can do all that. But I think gamers would see through that because it, it seems a little disingenuous, right? It's just like, oh, yeah, I've always been here. Um, so instead, I'm like, you know what? Let's make this a case study. I'm going to start. I'm not going to invite any of my friends or family. I'm not going to invite any of the other followers I have on social media. I had an Instagram with 6,000 followers at that point. And so I'm not going to invite anybody. I'm going to start from zero. 
I'm not going to spend any money other than I did buy a $300 laptop to have a junky webcam. That way I could set it up in my living room to simulate every streamer who starts, right? Like, oh, hey, yeah. Um, and that's how I started. And what I did is I invited people on. And I guess the rest is history. I'm up to 112,000 followers on Facebook now. And I've had, you know, people, you know, one guy made 40 million euro last year. I've had heads of... Uh, Esports teams and stream teams. I've had stay-at-home mothers. I've had mechanics. I had an anthropologist on. I've had all kinds of people. And over this, you know, year and a half or so, I've learned that there's no such thing as a typical gamer. Like that gamer stereotype, that basement dweller, that just doesn't. I, I can't say it doesn't exist. There are guys and girls and non-binary, gender-neutral individuals who are like that. Um, but that's not gamers. That's just a person. Gaming is a hobby. And so that's my story. Uh, Bradford, will you be my stream manager, please? <laughs> will you manage my stream, please? That was an amazing story. Thank you. Wow. We're supposed to have followers? That's yeah. The, uh... No, I'm uh, serious. Will you let's... manage my stream? I'm serious. But well, let's talk about that later. <laughs> it's, it's not terribly difficult to do it. Um, I'll tell you, you know, the number one thing that did it um, is find the platform that works best for you. Mm -hmm. So I started off on YouTube and Twitter because that's where gamers are supposed to be, right? Maybe a Discord. I'm like, I have no idea how to use Discord. Let's, let's worry about that one later. Um, but Twitter, I all I did was you know like people's stuff and comment, and I grew a couple hundred people in the first month. Yeah. Um, YouTube, uh, that's not that's tougher. Um, Instagram didn't go anywhere. But when I really focused on Facebook, I blew up. Like Facebook was apparently where my people were. Right, and Twitch is like so saturated now right when i started it, there was a, a there was like maybe you know under ten thousand people now there's a millions two million at least yeah yeah in the past 30 days yeah best of luck getting found as much as i hate surfing facebook that's where a lot of our viewers come from as well and i'm just like come on let's there's just gotta be somewhere it's like now i have to be back on facebook but it, it is what it is it, it's so the first thing that jumps out at me, and there's like multiple things that jump out at me, but <laughs> the first one is the correlation to World of Warcraft, because that is always the first one that people jump Don't to. Be okay, be you know, because there's you're running a guild, and it's actually like you're managing some sort of of business, and it's is serious. And there was an article like four or five years ago that's like you should put that you're a guild leader on World of Warcraft on your resume. And I'm like, yes, but outside of our industry, that stigma is still out there. Of, it's of like it's crazy. Like I really think I learned everything I really knew about business up until the you know the consulting firm. When you learn the the real mechanics and the, the nuts and bolts of it, I wrote a book on it because like it was so important to me that these these skills that I had from Warcraft translate. And you know, it's not just you know how to run a balance sheet. It's like that there's jerks in this world. There's gonna be haters. Like I got ganked all the time by people who just sit there and camp me for hours. Like all through the night, I would sit there like, come on, just stop, no, they keep ganking me. There's people like that. And you'll have business partners just like that who hate your guts and that they're still be your business partner. Like it happens. Mm. So let's start there. What skills did you find specifically in World of Warcraft that translate into running your own company, entrepreneur, you know, that sort of stuff? If I had to pick two, it would be persistence and courage. 
um, persistence just because you, you know, when you're raiding, you slap your face against the boss God knows how many times over and over and over again. And the, the, the strategy may not be different. It just may have been execution. So you just have to keep trying over and over and over. And then if it's not the execution, like if everything's going flawlessly, well, you got to adjust the strategy. So you have to, you know, do some critical thinking. Uh, but courage, I think is, is, if it's right behind persistence is the most important thing for anybody who wants to start any type of business, because you have to put yourself out there. I, um, like I said, I've, I'm, I was an introvert. I might be more extroverted now. It's really funny. The, uh, the I used to be INTJ, and last time I took that test, I'm now ENTJ. I don't know how I switched to extrovert, but um, one the very first time anybody asked me to be on Ventrilo, and no one uses Ventrilo anymore, I um, I was scared. Like I, I was living in my parents' basement because I was still in college at the time, and I'm like what if they don't like me? What if this, what if that? So I remember putting on my headphones and like, I don't have a mic, even though there's a mic attached to it. Like, oh, I'm, I'll, I'll just type out my answers. And you know, two months later I was leading raids because I had to practice that skill of putting myself out there, putting myself out there. And eventually you get good at it. And eventually the fear disappears and you just go forward. I, I agree. I mean, and that's one of the things that, you know, I'm on, my second startup, I guess third, if you actually count indie game business too, but I still haven't, you know, forced myself to acknowledge that that's its own beast now, <laughs> but it is, it's like, and I talk to friends of mine who are way smarter than I am. And, and I'm like, why don't you just start your own firm or company or whatever? And they're like, dude, there's no way we could do that. There's no, uh, that's something that you can do, but that's, that's crazy scary. And it is the first mm -hmm. time you do it. After you do it and you fail, because you, you probably will, you know, I did, you, it gets easier, you know? And at that point, it's like, you know, when the pandemic hit and people are losing their jobs and, and it, it's crazy for those of us who have started and run small businesses. Yes, it was scary, but at the same time, it was like, okay, another day, you know, it's like, we may have revenue coming in this week. We may not. We'll find out when we get there. So sure. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought up the failure because, you know, on my podcast, I make it a point to ask every single guest, what is your biggest failure in life? And that it, it blows my mind that people are so afraid of failure that they're not willing to go out in just a little bit and try something because, you know, some people have had fantastic ideas. They have the networks to pull it off and they don't because they're, Oh, you know, what if it doesn't work out? Well, you, you'll learn something. Um, that's, that's how you have to approach it. You have failed in life at some point in the past, everybody has. And so just remember, it's probably not gonna be as bad as your biggest failure. I mean, I, my, uh, I, when somebody, when anybody asked me my biggest failure, I, um, had a friend that I played world of Warcraft with, and I, I knew him for like six years playing Warcraft. I went and visited him in his hometown, having never met the guy before, right back in the early days when the internet was still kind of scary and, um, just showed up at his, his apartment one day. He was at the number one table at my wedding, like a really good friend. I decided I wanted to go into business with him because he did some developing of some type. That's all I knew. He was able to code. And so I'm like, I need an app made. You can make said app. Let's do it. So I, I gave him 20 grand and I invested another 35 grand in this business. He didn't write a single line of code. He took my money and ghosted me. So like <laughs> failures, they happen. Yeah, it, it, it does. And it's part of that, you know, when you're running a guild, you 
learn to realize who's going to be there week in and week out, who you can count on and who you can't, and you build that trust. And at the same time, you know, when you're trying these raids and you're, you're, even if it's not a raiding guild, even if it's just a casual guild, you're still having to, the biggest thing to me is managing people. You know, that is an absolute ridiculous skill that I'm still not good at. You know, it's like our team has grown even in the last three or four months and I'm still figuring out managing people here and there. But that's always one of the things that that jumps out to me, you know, is, is how do you deal with situations? How do you deal with you can't just always look at somebody and go, OK, you're lead rogue. Go and right. hope it works out. But I mean, the truth of it is, it is you have to deal with it situation by situation. Like it's it's they're cats. People are cats. They're going to go the direction they want to go. They're all self interested. Um, it, you just have to take the you know the punches as they come. I uh, in my my book here, I, I had a situation when I was playing Warcraft where I was guild leading, and a guy came to me and he's like, "Hey, um, I'm about to commit suicide. I've got the gun right here, and I." Um, I just wanted to say goodbye because you're like the only person who was nice to me. And so I like, what do you do? Like, I was not trained for that. Um, I was like a junior in college. How, how do you handle a situation like that? So, you know, if somebody's coming to you, they're asking for help. So you talk to them. And I was able to convince him to, you know, go back and to talk to his parents. And he was able to get help. And he went, got, you know, medical assistance. And um, a year later, um, I got a message from a guy claiming to be him saying, hey, thank you so much. You saved my life. That's amazing. Oh, that's awesome. But you do what you have to in the moment. That's what entrepreneurship is. <laughs> well, that's very true, too. It's, it's, you know, you, you have to react constantly. You can't. So I mean, on the along those lines, one of the things that I see a lot of people get wrapped around the axle with on you know getting a company started it's like okay we have to start it we have to put a business plan down and i'm like maybe this is true for other industries but for our industry i've never used a business plan i don't even know we had a consulting opportunity come up and one of the things they wanted us to do was help them write a business plan and i looked at a friend of mine and i'm like i've never written a business plan i don't even know where to start with this you know in the game industry it's a lot of very iterative okay this is working this is not working that sort of stuff and that's how we game a lot you know unless you're one of those people that just sits down and pulls up the you know game faqs and just runs strictly by the book you know how does that factor into you know entrepreneurship in general in other industries you know even outside of ours so i would say um going back to that common thread of success um, from what I have seen. And again, this is you know, one person's perspective on it. Having a business plan is a good idea just because it, it makes you take a step back and kind of think about the future. Um, I, I said, you know, you're just reacting as an entrepreneur. You're always reacting. You're always reacting. And you can get stuck in that, that pattern of, of just reacting and, and doing no forethought. Um, so the business plan you know, makes you have that forethought. It makes you kind of think of what avenues you're going to do. Um, I, I think we had discussed um, before, you know, especially on the indie game side, the game developing side, if, if you haven't thought of your marketing plan from day one, you're best of luck at the end, right? Um, same, same thing though. Like if you haven't considered how you want to grow and scale your business, 
you know, best of luck when you finally get there. Um, that doesn't mean that you're going, it's you know, hard and fast. Here's our five-year plan and we are going to stick to this. I, I had a, a, a client this past year who um, my first advice was you need to make a business plan and then you're going to ask for investors. And so he made his business plan. He asked for investors. He got more money than he was expecting. And he had to completely rewrite his business plan three weeks after he got the money because he had grown so fast that the business plan's out the window. And so every I talked to him every two weeks. And every time I talked to him, he's like, I had to rewrite my business plan again because we blew past what I just did again. Like, it's, I, that's, it's all about the forethought. It's not necessarily like you know, rigid. So it, you know, the counter argument that is how important is it if you have to constantly rewrite it over and over and over again? Uh, well, that's a fantastic question. <laughs> <laughs> it's... It really is, if you're not thinking about what you're doing, you are going to get caught up in what is happening rather than going to where you want to be. It's all about goals. Like you, you have to be working towards goals. And if you take any sort of personal development course, step number one is establish a goal. And that's what really the business plan is. Um, you know, I, um, I'm working with a developer at the moment as well. And um, my, my first advice for everybody is, is always that business plan. And he he tried to do what I think you're asking about is, you know, it's it's iterative that things are going to change. They're like, no, no, no. It's uh, it's about the sizzle, not the steak. What what is your what are you aiming for? How, where do you hope to go someday? Not necessarily the exact steps of how do you get there? Indie game business has one of the longest running digital event series in the gaming industry with hundreds of publishers, investors, developers, and tech companies to meet with. All the sessions are always free to watch forever, and you can get a free pass to receive all the slide decks from all those speakers. The tickets for meetings start just at $50. Go to IndieGame.Business and use the code IGBPODCAST to get 20% off your ticket. personal failing that's one thing that i have never been never been good at you know it, it, even back when i first came out of college and and you know i had my first job my boss sent me down after like the first year and goes where do you want to be in five years and i'm like not homeless that's where i want to be in five years you know it's it's <laughs> it's always been one of those i'm fortunate enough to be working in an industry that i love you know as a pastime and as an industry and I've never, you know, really had to go much more beyond that. It's like, this is what we do. This is how we can help. And now we have this other stuff too. And I, so uh, I like how Mitch Hedberg answers the question. He's, he's long since passed, you know, where do you see yourself in five years and you know, celebrating the five year anniversary of you asking me that question. <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> I saw him in concert one time and he was so strung out. It was nearly incomprehensible, <laughs> which made sense later on. Anyway, um, but it, it is one of those things that I think it's a it's a skill that people need to have. But a lot of times, you know, as gamers, we don't go to business school. You know, we I didn't. And that's something that I've never done either. You know, it's like uh, 
we just have a we have a new hire working with us and he has an MBA and I'm like congratulations you are technically more qualified for this job than I am you know so it's <laughs> it's a a situation where you always have to learn and you always have to you know adapt but yeah I mean I agree having a plan is a wonderful thing and at some point I should probably sit down and do it myself so um all right have so your, no have your MBA do it for you why do you got to do it that's You're a good point Patrick so so Are you watching, thing, you need to write us a business plan. The no thing way. that I learned, so I, I know on my show, I'm Dr. Bradford Carlson. The doctor is largely a joke. I have a doctoral degree, but I'm a doctor of jurisprudence, which means the law. I, I, doctor is as a title. The more education you have, the more of a specialist you are. That means the more work you're able to do for someone who hires you to do it. That's, that's it. Entrepreneurs... The, the some of the best advice I can ever give you is stop trying to figure out how to do something and go figure out who can do it for you. Yes, it's going to cost you money. Maybe you might be able to get them to do it for free, but they're going to do it better than you. They're going to do it faster than you. They're going to be able to to make it look better than you. Just go find someone to do it. Stop trying to do it yourself, and your project will take off. That is the hardest lesson I learned starting <laughs> the Power Group, and it was like I think I was probably two or three years in. And it got to the point where it's like, I can't do all of this myself anymore. And it is, especially for those of us who, you know, are comfortable in the entrepreneur world. It's like, you're accustomed to it. When you start it, you're doing it all by yourself. I mean, a lot of times in the game industry, especially developers are starting it, you know, they have a, a team, you know, they have somebody who's good at the programming, somebody who's good at the art, somebody who's good at the design. But being able to separate yourself and say, okay, I can't do this anymore is that's a whole nother step of confidence because then you're taking and you're trusting what you've been doing and your brand and your company to somebody else. And that's where it's absolutely key to say, to find the right people. And, and you know what, there's no good way to find the right people other than to test them out. It's you're, you have to churn through people until you get the one. It's it's just what it is what it is. I like at my law practice we had a um, a clerk who was wonderful at the digital marketing. And that's why we hired the guy. He's wonderful at the digital marketing. Like and every single day he's like, yeah, I don't really want to do the digital marketing. Can you like let me do some law work? So we're like, okay, yeah, sure. And so we gave him law work, and he was not good at it. And she's really, really bad at it. So like, you stick to the digital marketing. And he's like, no, no, I really want to do the law work. And we had to let him go because like, he kept trying to do one thing. And like, it wasn't the thing for him. Div's got a, a point and it's, you know, exactly what we're talking about. It's not about knowing everything. It's about, you know, knowing how, no, wait, hold on. That, I read that a lot easier in my head. Knowing who knows stuff. That's the, that's the good point. That's what we'll go with that one on. And so, but that was like my next question. It's like, how do you find that right person? There's always that big, you know, do we hire for, you know, knowledge fit or do we hire for culture fit or how do you, how have you seen that play out? Is there, is one way better than the other? So they have to fit your culture. Like, period, but you're not going to know that until they've been working with you for a while. Um, you, you can find employees pretty much anywhere. That's like, if you're at a restaurant and you really like the waiter because they're outgoing and they're gregarious and they, they are a good show person, a good salesperson, and you need a salesperson for your company and you're willing to pay them more, you know, offer them a, a position, try them out, see how they go. Like, 
there's there's no maybe you find someone on Twitter who made some really fantastic art. Hey, would you be willing to, to take a full time position? And you try them out. It's um, and one of my my mentors is uh, Grant Cardone, and his philosophy is you hire quick, fire quick, and. I, I personally agree with it because you're not going to know until they're working with you for a little bit, you know, how, how they work out, um, how you actually find those people. You, you look everywhere. You can do headhunters if you want, but headhunters, they're going to get you a person, but you're not going to know if they work out until they've been there for a couple of months. Um, you know, job posting boards. It's, there's it's no magic about that. Yeah. It's, you know, in, in all the years that we've been doing this, I've never posted a job posting. The, the closest thing that we've done is the, you know, we started working with the local university and we've hired an, an awesome intern who everybody got to meet during the event last week because Rosie was slightly nervous, but, you know, we dropped her in there and said, hey, look, you like marketing. And so why don't you interview Victoria Tran for us? And, you know, she did fantastic, but that's the first time we had ever done, you know, any sort of job posting was on the internal university thing. And, sure. You know, and if she hadn't worked out, you would have gotten rid of her or tried to train her and then gotten rid of her. Like there's, there's no way to know though, until you test somebody I'm, I'm willing to give people opportunities. Like just be like, I remember my resume when I first started, I had, I worked at a, um, a water pump manufacturer on an assembly line and I worked at circuit city as customer service. And that was my, the extent of my resume going into law school. So I'm willing to chat with the person in front of me and see kind of what they're about. It's it's the people's experiences are one thing, but who they are is another. And dealing with the public, that's always been one of my, my wife does that. She, she's worked in HR and, and staffing for years and she's, she loves dealing with the public. She's like, I'm introverted. And I'm like, no, you're not. It's like, you are at a certain level, but you also absolutely love going out and dealing with the guests and dealing with, you know, the, the staff and, and, and all this other stuff. It's a having those soft skills and that customer service mentality is far more important than a lot of people give you credit for. The, the waiter analogy is a fantastic look. If you go to a restaurant and you're going to buy a $8 bottle of wine and the person at your table convinces you to buy a $50 bottle of wine, you need to look at that person as a salesperson because that's, you know, those are the sorts of skills. And, and when you are, especially in our industry, and you're dealing with the marketing and the community management side. If you couldn't, if you can't deal with people and you don't have that thick skin, you know, I'm a firm believer that community managers in this industry need to be paid more than they are because of just the levels of shit that they have to put up with on a day-to-day -day basis. hundred percent. Yeah, I, I don't manage my own audience anymore. I used to at the start uh, until I got like 40,000 followers and you get some comments that just curl you like, Oh God, I need to go cry for a little bit. Like as, as the talents, like that's, I don't want to deal with that because that'll bring me down. And like, um, so I have someone else read that stuff and then send me the, the nice stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. All right. Let's, let's get a question here. We got a question from Nightwolf. What do you think about people who upload their work on YouTube? Is YouTube a valid way of finding people to work with for you? Animators, artists, voice actors, 3D, 2D modelers, programmers, designers, etc. Is it a good way to find people? Potentially. There's only one way to find out, and that's to reach out to them. Um, 
So re reaching out to people is actually pretty easy on YouTube. A lot of people don't know that most people have their email in the about section for business inquiries, click here. And um, that's that's how I reach out to most people if I have to find them uh, content creators. <laughs> like they they try to like hide themselves and my DMs aren't open. I uh, you can't get through me uh, on Twitch, but on YouTube for business inquiries. Oh. <laughs> Just ask, ask if they're open to it. All right, I find that a lot of content creators just hide their email and I just, that seems ridiculous to me. It doesn't seem very wise. Well, no, I don't want the spam. Really. So make a, make a spam email, right? <laughs> All right. You never so know, you never know if there's like some sort of partnership lurking. Um, I cold reach out to people. Like I have to cold reach out to people in order to get to people on my show. And I give people exposure on my show. You, you like, we're, we're all in the look at me business if you're a content creator. You need people to look at you in order to grow. So you have to take every opportunity you can. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, uh, Matt Glenn asked uh, from Twitch, what are your thoughts on contracting people for smaller projects and tasks before hiring them full time? For sure, just make sure you pay them. That's a good point. <laughs> just make sure you pay them. Make no, sure you pay them. Good advice. Don't, don't go asking people for free work. Don't do that. That's not right. Yeah, for exposure. Mm -hmm. That's Don't one of that. the things that I've seen, even with our conference, you know, and I'm like, okay, we need to hire this person. We need to hire somebody to do this. And then I have, I know people who run other conferences and they're like, people will volunteer to do that. And I'm like, I know if they, they will. volunteer. It's slightly different. I, you should technically still pay them, but I still, I just, I don't feel right doing that. You know, it's, it's like, you know, if you're giving us a service, then, you know, I feel like we ought to pay you, you know, now how much we pay you maybe dependent on everything but you know that whole mentality even the the internship the university's like well is this going to be a paid internship i'm like yes you know there's that's generally the premise right and then but it's not and so yeah i mean i i agree 100 make sure you pay them mm -hmm. and then i had another question and i lost it dan what was next on uh, do we have a um my brain just shut down right there. Um, so, I mean, are there, in, in your experience, Bradford, are there particular types of businesses or roles in businesses that you see gamers more, you know, not eligible for, but, you know, they lean more towards than, than other things? No, no, not. I, I've done something like 230, 240 interviews. And like I said, I, there is no such thing as a typical gamer. I've had uptight people. I've had rednecks. I've had um, wacky people. I had somebody who spoke dragon. I like. Nice. <laughs> it's across the board. I've had people who, you know, came on suits I and in T-shirts. They, they have varied skills. We have varied interests. Gaming. You know, we were like gamers. What is a gamer? It's a person who has a hobby. That's it. It's it's just a hobby. Gaming is a hobby. So anybody can have that hobby. And there's what, 2.7 billion gamers on the planet? Like full third of the planet are gamers at this point. Um, I had um, Dr. Lemon on my show. And she said that there was a study that said something like 80% of high schoolers are gamers. So those all, all those people aren't going to turn into the same kind of career path. Like they're they're going to be everything. So, no, there there is no such thing as a typical gamer, and there's there's no one role. It's what is it that you want to do? You know, start with what you're good at, or you know, you can start with what are you bad at and try to avoid those. But start with what you're good at, and you try just try to make your way into it. Stop letting anybody hold you back. I think the I mean, 
we can go around for hours on this. At the end of the day, the big thing that always stands out is, is confidence. And, you know, that ability to take one extra step off the end of the pier and, you know, like the whole Indiana Jones thing and your, your faith that there's a bridge there. There ain't going to be a bridge there. You just need to know that you're going to fall far enough that you're going to hit water before you splatter and that you can somewhat swim to get back. But it really is a, a case of, you know, are feeling confident and feeling good about yourself that you can go and do this. Now, having said that, uh, you know, there's steps to take beforehand. Make sure you have a little bit of money saved up and, you know, don't just like pull YOLO. YOLO. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to Leroy Jenkins into this shit, you know, but, you know, at it, the same time, it, it, it's one of those things that you, you just kind of have to believe that you can do it. And don't let anybody tell you you can't because those people, you know, they're obviously not <laughs> going to be the ones that, that you want to rely on down the road. But you've got to get out there and, and just give it a try. I always encourage everybody, you know, at least once try to run your own company because you end up with a whole different, you know, outlook on everything. And then, you know, 20 years down the line, you end up like me and there's no way in hell I would be a good employee at this point in time. That's just, it wouldn't so happen. Let me, let me say something about what you just said. You know, you said that everybody should try to run their own company. Um, I want you to think of a, a guy who's really good at making sandwiches or a girl or non-binary gender neutral individual who's really good at making sandwiches, right? And so someday somebody comes over and goes, man, you make the best sandwiches. You should start a sandwich shop. And this person talks to the spouse and decides, okay, let's, let's do it. Like everybody tells me I make fantastic sandwiches. Let's go ahead and make a sandwich shop. That person then goes and thinks what the business is going to be, which is him making fantastic sandwiches. And that's not necessarily the truth. The, the business, the real business is all the stuff that happens behind the scenes that no one ever hears about and nobody ever gets credit for. And a vast majority of people burn out of business because they wanted to do the one thing that they were passionate about, but they have to do the business. So it's, it's not necessarily that you have to try and you get really good at this. You can go find someone else who is good at it. That's, that's probably the best advice you can possibly ever get is go find someone who is good at it so you can focus on what you are good at. That is a hundred percent true. And we see it a lot in this industry. And the side effect of this, that's why people like I have a, you know, like have a job in a, in a consulting firm, but we see that constantly it's, it's people you know they say i wanted to start my own game development company because I, I love designing games i love making games and they get into it and they're like i don't actually get to make games anymore i'm you know doing all of this other shit and i'm like yeah that but that that is a very good point you you need to know that that going into it and finding that person to do the business end of it is a is a key um but no you're very right i mean you're you a lot of times, I would say most of the time, you're going to end up doing something that you didn't expect that you were going to be doing. But, you know, I'm one of those weirdos that, you know, that whole quarterback mentality at the end of the game, I want to be, you know, responsible. You know, if, if this, I know at the end of the day, and that's what makes running a company so stressful is, you know, when I went from, I'm just consulting on my own to, I have a team of people that are working with me that stress level just tripled because all of a sudden it wasn't just, okay, if I fail to close a deal, I don't have money coming in this week. 
it yep. went to if I fail to close a deal, there's five other families out there who don't have money coming in this week. And that was that was the big eye opener to me. So I think on that point, real quick, I, I love it when people start businesses <laughs> because they think they're going to be a boss, especially if you hire people, right? I'll be able to tell people what to do. The difference between a boss and a leader, boss tells people what to do and everybody hates them. A leader, everybody tells the leader what to do and everybody loves them. Like the leader, the person at the top is supposed to be responsive to everybody else. So don't, don't go into this thinking you just get to direct people around like I, uh, my wife is my CEO. I have a CMO and a sales manager, and my job is to do what they say. <laughs> I, I have a lot of respect for that because I think my wife said very early on in our marriage, there's no way in hell we are ever working together. And that has been very true for the last 20 years. So <laughs> there's, there's some points, I'll, I'll admit. And, and, and Patrick is obviously with us and because he said that's why you hire an MBA and assign work during the podcast. And you know, should, shouldn't you be working? Shouldn't you be like working? This? Yeah, no, really. Why are you listening are you to the watching podcast? Twitch? Yeah, why are you watching Twitch? You can listen to this later. <laughs> it's called market research, guys. Market research. He's you know, he's just checking in to make sure what you're doing, Jay. He's making he's making sure I'm not assigning completely other you know random stuff in there. Jay's back there going, this is, yeah, we've got something for him. It is. I mean, it's it's honestly so. Patrick has been with us for, I'll brag on him. Patrick's been with us for a couple of weeks and, and, or a month now, maybe, I don't know, maybe even longer. I don't, time, time flies. And, you know, he's been doing the meetings at, at, even at our own event, because I never have time to actually do meet business meetings at our own business event. And it's still a little bit odd to me to look and I see these emails and it's like, hi, I'm Patrick from the power group. And I'm like, wait, who, what? Oh wait, yeah, that's right. There's there's other you know there's there's other salespeople now, and it's it's awesome. And so, um, Patrick, you're, you're doing awesome, and and I appreciate everything that you do, even though we you know joke on here. So, the <laughs> this has gone like way quickly. We're already like ten minutes you know from the end. If you're out there, Twitch, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube. YouTube, Facebook. wherever wherever we are right now. If you've got a question, only fans starting your. Own, <laughs> <yeah>. Hey, <laughs> got to be everywhere in order to really promote yourself. Right. Exactly. If you got a question about starting your own, you know, company, fire it out here. Let's let's ask it and let's get it going here. So, if there's a best starting team for getting your company started, let's go back to the sandwich person. So I like making sandwiches, but I need somebody to do business. What, what if you had, you know, to build that initial core team, what roles do you think are the most important? So I'll give you a typical lawyer answer. Not that I'm an attorney any longer. It depends. It depends. <laughs> oh, on... That's a business consulting <laughs> answer too. I'm really good at that one. It depends on what type of business you're in. The sandwich guy, he's got different issues than, um, a consultant, you know, a consultant, you don't actually produce anything. It's your opinion. Like I'll give my thoughts to people. <laughs> um, but you know, as like, as a content creator, your content is your product. Um, as a sandwich shop, your, your sandwich is the product, but there's a machine that you need. And that's the, the, you know, the line, that's the inventory, that's the other stuff. So, you know, every business, needs a marketing person. 
you have to have to have to have a marketing person, someone who is getting your name out there. You you know, uh, build a better mousetrap and the world will beat a path to your door is the expression. That's only partly true. They will only beat a path to your door if they know the mousetrap exists. You have to have someone out there promoting you and talking about you. Um, I would say on top of the, the marketing person, you need a salesperson um, just because, you know, I, me personally, I think there's only three parts of business. It's marketing, sales, and fulfillment. So if, if you have those three bases covered, that's it. Um, you know, if you are the salesperson, you don't need a salesperson. If you are the marketing person, you don't need a marketing person. If you're the person who's good at the paperwork and making sure everything's running properly, you don't need a fulfillment person. So, you know, what role do you fit into and then get the other two? What if you think you fit in the role, but you actually suck at it? Then you need a coach. <laughs> you can apply at my website. <laughs> 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 All right, so Div's got a question, and but I'm going to let you answer it before I give my answer on it. What do you think about, you know, Flambeer's take, work with somebody that hates you so you're always in check? Hates you is tough. Uh, hates you, hate is a strong emotion. It is, it is vital to have someone who's willing to push back against you. They don't have to hate you. Uh, <laughs> Um, like sitting there scheming, how can I screw his business today? Yeah, that's that's not what that's you want. Uh, you want someone who's going to listen to your idea and go, yeah, that sucks because of X, Y, Z, and allows you to go. Well, I have respect your opinion that this sucks, but I considered X, Y, Z, and here is my counter to that. And it's, you want a dialogue. You want someone who's able to have a conversation about this with you that results in a good idea at the end. You don't. I've seen businesses succeed with yes men. Um, I don't like those businesses. I don't like the people I've met there. But um, you can have a business that's just yes men telling you it's fantastic. Let's do it, and they follow your every order, and you can eventually brute force your way into a market. Um, but having a good idea that is crafted in the fires of confrontation with your team is probably better. So, you know, I, I agree. Hate's a really strong word. I mean, I've seen it work. Obviously, it worked for Flambeer for for years and worked on Mythbusters. I mean, once that show wrapped up, it became very public how, you know, Jamie and Adam did not like one another, but that show was on for years. Yeah. Me personally, I don't want to work with people I don't like, you know, there's right. a, that, that's just the reality of it. You know, to me, you know, when I'm running, this show or, you know, whether it's partners that we have on the indie game business side or clients that we have on the Powell group and, and, and team members, I need to like you as a person because otherwise I don't want to deal with you. And life is too short for me to have to put up with that shit. Hey, Mikey, he likes me. Yeah. Well, you know, Dan aside, <laughs> the, 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 um, the, <laughs> but, but that's it. It's like, you know, I don't want to come to work every day and just be, oh, shit, oh gosh, I got to deal with, with this. So -and, -so yeah. and it's going to suck. And I've had clients like that, but the reality is we didn't keep them for that long. You know, that's right. Either that's through, you know, the contract run out or, or we get the game placed or, you know, it finally got to a head where I'm like, I don't trust you. And they're like, well, I don't like you either. And, you know, having a, I, I completely agree with the, you need somebody who will push back at you. A yes man is completely worth it, in my opinion, unless they are just really good at tasks that you give them. But 
I couldn't do, I couldn't work with somebody I hated. I mean, that, that, that would just drive me nuts. So, oh yeah. One thing I heard that was interesting. Um, I think it was Bill Gates said that whenever he needed, he needed a process figured out, he would like find the laziest person he knew to figure it out because they would find the easiest way to do it. What are your, what's your opinions on that? hundred percent. As long as it's legal, ethical, and moral. My, uh, my company <laughs> motto, like behind the scenes, you know, internally is moral, legal, ethical, just because I've, I've seen some stuff. Um, one of the very first businesses that I worked with as an attorney, um, one of the owners ended up on the run from the FBI because the person nice. stealing money across multiple states and setting up businesses. And it was, I, I've seen some stuff and just do it by the book, please. You know, take some time, figure that stuff out. It's it'll save you headaches in the end. To be fair, being able to elude the FBI for a long time while still establishing new businesses is a skill set in and of itself. You know, yeah. so. Uh... If I if I hadn't been an attorney at the time, Lan, I'd love to tell that story. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Well, All right, hey, so, so what, Bradford? Why don't you yeah. tell us what the link is to your podcast and we oh, can yeah, shout that out? Okay, you can find my uh, my show across pretty much every social media. I'm at the Gamerpreneur on Facebook and Twitter at the Real Gamerpreneur because someone else took it on Instagram. It's the Gamerpreneur on YouTube. Um, my main community community is Facebook. That's where almost everybody has found themselves. Um, but please, please go to YouTube and subscribe. I need to get my numbers up there. <laughs> Wait, how how many viewers do you have? It's like <laughs> you're right. Um, my uh, my shows get couple thousand views each um, on Facebook. Everywhere else, it's like six. <laughs> just focus on Facebook. Yeah. Just all all right, well, now Facebook. we are exclusively on Facebook. All right. What's that? Another question from Matt Glenn on Twitch. Can you describe the differences in responsibilities between a sales and marketing person for digital only games? So marketing is about getting your name out. So so all advertising is marketing, but not all marketing is advertising. Okay. So advertising is specifically with the point of getting a sale. Marketing is more brand building. So you want someone out there who is doing brand building and you want someone specifically who is actually trying to close people. Now it might not, it may be the same thing on a you know completely digital business like that since you know you're putting a link for a sale but you know an example of a marketing person might be a community manager on your your social media pages because they're engaging with the public not necessarily trying to sell them but every now and then you try to sell and at that point they put on their salesperson hat um it's just a matter of really you want to you want to consider the two roles because they're, they're different roles they do they do different things and you you talk to people differently I did. I'm, I'm reading what happened? Comment. Oh, you're reading that comment? Yeah. I'll pop it up on here so we can just read it out loud because it's a long one. So the four best words, this is Board with Gaming, says for starting a business I have found so far is what? What issue and problems are you trying to solve? Why? Why would you be able to do XYZ? Why does your approach work or stand out? Where? What location will suit you best? Wait, that's only three. What's the fourth one? Ah, there we go. <laughs> when, when? When? What time? And 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 why now? So, do, do you agree? Is that what you're seeing? I mean, is that what you usually look at when you're uh, talking to people about starting a business? 
I think those are all fantastic questions. My, my three words that I would go to um, when working with somebody is produce, promote, and profit. So what is it that you're making, whether it's a product, service, or content? How are you getting it in front of people? And then what systems are you using in order to make money off of it? So you have to ask yourself the what, where, when, and why pretty much all the time anyway on all three of those aspects. And, and that profit one is one that we preach constantly, you know, it, it, which ties back into marketing and, and everything else. And you know, we tell developers, it's like, don't launch your game for less than 15 bucks. Now, if it's not competitive at 15 bucks, you need to focus on getting it to that point. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you want to make a career out of doing game development or whatever, whatever it may be, you have to be able to make money from it. Otherwise, you're going to continue doing it as a hobby, you know, in your spare time while you work a full time job somewhere else. There are 2.7 billion gamers on this planet and what, 7 point something billion people on the planet. There is somebody out there who would be interested in buying your thing. It doesn't really matter the quality. <laughs> There's somebody. Yeah. Even if there are 250 some games launched every single day on, on yeah. every single week on Steam. Yeah. So, all right, we're coming up at the end of time. If you've got questions, uh, one, can we put the can we put the YouTube page up there again, Dan? Let us know. What are uh, so aside the YouTube from page. having that confidence to get started, and you know some of the stuff that we've touched on. What is the single biggest hurdle that you see a lot of new entrepreneurs hit when they start their start their companies? What What do you mean? Put the YouTube page up there. Oh, somebody was just <laughs> YouTube, me. Let me let me think about that. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, single biggest hurdle I've seen people face, other than you know the persistence issue and the confidence issue, is um, would be finances, just money. You know, it takes it takes money to make money. You're either going to put in an inordinate amount of time doing something, or you have to put in some money. It's one of the two, and it could be a combination of the two. It's usually but, both. Yeah, that's yeah. um. um but you know, the more money you have, the less time you have to put in because you can have more people go do it for you, right? Um, if if you have a means of making money while you're doing this, keep it. <laughs> Don't just YOLO. I'm starting a business. Let's roll. Um, keep keep it, and then get your business to a place that I I personally say one and a half times the amount that you're making. If you can get your business up to one and a half times, that's a good time to to walk away because one you've replaced your income and you still have at least fifty percent of the money to be able to invest back in. Are you still playing WoW? A little bit. I don't have a lot of time, but I <laughs> I I just I, I I'm a casual now, filthy casual. There's nothing wrong with being a casual. <laughs> I just, I never had the time to sit there and do you know, the full-blown race. So did you go back to, did you do the classic when it started back up again? Oh, gosh, no. No, I did that the first time through. I, I, I know what that was like. I'm not doing it again. I didn't understand. I mean, obviously I was wrong. I was like, this is never going to take off. People are going to realize how horrible of an experience and how just. It was a wonderful experience. The it community was. was beautiful. It just, you know, to get to level 20 took like, oh, three weeks. Like that's no. I, I, I have been wow free for two years, I believe. Hello, uh, my yeah, name is Jay and I'm, I've been wow free. Hey, we used to call that war crack. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, anyway. Um, I think that, I mean, that covers us. I mean, that, that went exceedingly fast. I did, you know, that was awesome. So we've got your information. So we're also going to put all of Bradford's links in the, 
YouTube comments. He is now. We have christened him to Discord, so he is on our Discord. Discord, yeah. Feel free to you know, not Ventrilo. Badger. <laughs> Teamspeak. Teamspeak. Vent. IRC. Right. Yeah. So make sure, and if you're not on our Discord, Discord.gg/indiegamebusiness, and if you want to find our YouTube, Facebook, and whatever, just Google Indie Game Business. It's up there. But Twitter yeah. is actually Business Indie. So yeah, yeah. So check it out. This is a fit. It's like one letter short. You know? so, mm-hmm. And for having me on, I really appreciate it. Oh no, this is this is fantastic. And so I want you, you know, one I want to make sure when we got our next conference, we have an announced when the next conference is going to be. It's going to be in June sometime. Um, but want you to do some stuff there too, because I mean this this is absolutely fantastic, and it's you know, gamers need to hear that. You can do this, you know, despite the fact that we all had that same thing, you know, it's like, you're wasting your time. There's no point in this. You know, I get it, you know, at the schoolyard at my, my son's school all the time. And I'm like, yeah. So do you know how much Tiger Woods made when he won the masters? Right. Do you know how much Boogie made when he won the Fortnite world championship? It's like, yeah. don't tell me that it's worth your time's kid to play foot, you know, worth your kid's time to play football, but it's not worth it to play you know, Counter-Strike, you know, the, that's not true anymore. Um, okay, yeah, uh, Discord is discord.gg slash indie game business, board of the gaming. And so we've actually got post-channel chat there and all kinds of cool stuff. But Bradford, thank you so much for being on. We'll get you the links to this. And, you know, thank Absolutely. you for having me on on your talk earlier this week too. That was that was good fun. I always sure, thank your episode doesn't come out till mid-May, so don't, don't worry that's about That's fine. It. That's you know, that's well. This is this will go. It should be live on our podcast on anchor.fm slash indie game business within the hour. So. You mean this was live? <laughs> <laughs> you joke. We've had people do that though. <laughs> what are you, wait, we're going live, and I'm like, yeah, that's what. The, otherwise, we have to do things like post production and shit like that, right? So. That's your world. You do that. Just like now, we just we, we fire this thing out live, and we get questions coming in. So, hey, I have to do post production. I couldn't figure out how to get the green screen to go away to, for this. <laughs> oh, <that's all> right. <laughs> you know, I've got my Valheim world going on back here. So, but th- thank you, and we will be seeing you soon. And to everyone else, uh, keep track. Our next uh, one, uh, we've got a whole slate of, of workshops plus now. That's what yeah. we're referring to our master's class as. So if you're out there, you're curious on how you're going to do localization and why you should do it. We have that class coming up next week. And, and then- you guys, if you would missed it last week or earlier this week was the pitch deck seminar. Oh, we that do it every, incredible. well, it's not, there's not going to be one this Thursday, mm-hmm. but Kimberly's going to be back next week. And we've actually moved my, how to find a publisher talks to the discord well, as well. well. So this Thursday's already passed. So yeah. Well, no, <laughs> next, she's not going to do it next Thursday. She's going to do it the other way. Oh, okay. confuse me. It's Friday. All right. Thanks, yeah, everybody. Thank you guys so much. Um, yeah. yeah. Take thank care. Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at indiegame.business.